0: you and Stephanie you're you're a hard act to follow <laughs> she was so animated today I'm not sure I can quite achieve that however however there's yeah <laughs> you know it's interesting we're gonna get to that um the Holy Spirit is gonna have me do something that's sort of funny but I feel like because of a text that I sent a few days ago that I, I I felt this is so silly, but you know we've got to do what the Holy Spirit says, right? So <clears throat> I, I I always joke was I think mostly with Steph about um, that this is a church of women. Now it's it's not it's not completely, and and we have some trusty guys over here. Where's Jemire? Anyway, I was really happy to see Jamar today. But <laughs> I was thinking about this, and I, I sent this text out about, um, let's see, uh, idle hands are the devil's workshop, or playground, or whatever you want to look at. it. So I'm thinking about this thing, and what pops in my head, nobody in this room is probably going to remember it, but uh, the flying nun. <laughs> Do you? Sally Fields. So why? Why did that pop into my head? So I'm thinking about this, and, and you know, it's, it's a bunch of women in, in, you know, in the nunnery, and they're, they're taking care of orphans and the children, and they're doing all this great work, but they sort of don't have a lot of money to work with. That's one of the premises. And even though, you know, the flying thing I don't know if that doesn't I don't remember it being a huge part of it. I mean, she did from time to time, but there's this guy in this is you can draw your own conclusions here. But there's this guy, uh, Carlos Ramirez, who meets up with uh, Sister Bertrell, I think was her name. Does that ring a bell anyway? Doesn't matter. Uh, Meets meets up with a nun and um, and. She kind of uh, she kind of starts working on him because he sort of has a nefarious background perhaps of how he made his money um he uh he's out with a different woman every night of the week and he's clubbing all the time, so she even she even gets in the way of his romances like she shows up with her little <laughs> nun habit and and he's like going. Ugh. Yes, sister, how can I help you? <laughs> so anyway, uh, there was a, so she's always getting him to help her do all this stuff. And, and you know, he's, he, all these projects, This is that was the word I was looking for. He always, she, she's always asking him to do projects. And because he's Puerto Rican, he's supposed to be, I think the guy was actually from Argentina, he, he has sort of an emotional temper And he starts, he he puts his hands on his head, and he's like, no, 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 no. No, I'm not going to help you. I told you. I'm done, sister. I did that other thing for you. I didn't even know what I was doing. I'm not going to do these things. But she's like, and he starts to walk away, and she goes, but Carlos, I'm praying for you. (laughs) And he's like, he's like, okay, sister. How can I help you? <laughs> this better not be too difficult. <laughs> so, you know, they run through all, I, I mean, it, it was, I think the series was only on for three years, but pretty much that's the premise with him helping her, and, and plus, she was always in trouble with her mother superior, because she was so impetuous, and he would go in and actually talk to mother superior, sort of defending her, even though, she thought he had kind of a shady background too (laughs) but anyway I remember I think this is the point of the story so I was I was thinking about this and there was one particular show maybe it was towards the end of it where they're sitting together having lemonade after they pulled off one of the projects and um, she was, they were reminiscing sort of about all these different projects. And <laughs> she was like, oh, I don't believe we have done this. And, and um, she's going on and on. In fact, she starts going on to, you know what, Carlos, the kids need better uniforms uh, here. And, there. and she starts listing all these new projects. And he's like, no, no, sister. And finally he goes, okay, sister, you, uh, you, you even taught me this that idle hands are the devil's playground. Sister, when I'm around you, my hands are never idle, so I will never have to worry about meeting the devil in a playground or anywhere else. (laughs) See, now the Holy Spirit... (laughs) So I'm not saying I know anybody particularly that (laughs) is like that, but... You know, once in a while, was that funny? I, I, you know, I didn't know, I didn't know if it was gonna be a good punchline or not. But <laughs> now, come on, that can only be Holy Spirit, because why would I ever think about the flying nun? I mean, geez, I'm, you know, not old. I'm older, but <laughs> <that's clears throat> I'm gonna say it. So let's let's talk about another Holy Spirit moment that's more in the mode because we have a lot of ground to cover here. Well, it's not even four o'clock yet, and we have snacks. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Yeah, right. And uh, you might want some coffee. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, good for you, Laura. <laughs> uh, Holy Spirit moment. Uh, this is actually a quote by a physicist which i think is, is an example of holy spirit coming into uh, play so you think and you think of how to solve a problem and you you don't see, it's okay stuff you know i'm I, I, you know i i did a lot of clubs and there was always a heckler <laughs> <No>. <laughs> so anyway um you think about how to solve a problem. You can't find an answer. And you just you kind of at the end of the rope. And then, while eating an apple or taking a bite of a sandwich, the solution presents itself and politely says, here I am. Anybody had a moment like that? When you can't figure out what to do, but you do get into the Holy Spirit, and all of a sudden, like like Stephanie was saying, you go, aha. God, that was so simple. <laughs> All I needed to do was lean into the Holy Spirit. So um, we're going to look at lots of moments like this, maybe not so close. But actually, that quote is from Einstein, by the way. Yeah. Yeah, he was a pretty incredible guy. So uh, quantum, What what is it? Quantum physics. Um, the, The definition is the study of matter and energy at the most fundamental level. It aims to uncover the properties and behaviors of the very building blocks of nature. Though quantum physics examines very small objects, quantum phenomena are all around us. This is vibrating. I'm vibrating. Chairs are vibrating. We're in a world that vibrates. And as we're going to see pretty soon, it's vibrating by the grace of God. And there's all these things that God put in place that vibrate and make music, which we call the, we'll call it the uh, symphony of the universe. And that's going on around us all the time, 24 sevens. And we're being upheld by the voice of God. So anyway, I kind of jumped ahead of myself there. I was going to say, <clears throat> why would we as Christians want to know about quantum physics? That's why. There, there's so much that's going on that science is discovering. As we'll see in a moment, scientists are actually losing their agnostic or atheist type approach and deciding, look, we've, we've processed these things down to minutiae, which I talk about quite a bit, that God's concerned about little things because <laughs> he created these things that we only know or they only predict they exist by mathematics because they're so small, they can't exactly examine them. That is a God of detail. <clears throat> anyway, how would I get into this? You know, the knucklehead musician, why would I be interested in <laughs> physics, right? Right. Uh, Actually, when I was a child, I was super interested in science fiction, um, sci-fi books. I read a lot of Robert E. Howard, who created Conan, and Edgar Rice Burroughs, who created Tarzan. And I was also interested in sci-fi art, with Frank Frazetta and Boris Vallejo being uh, awesome artists who made a living just by painting covers for these books. Um... But I noticed, and I didn't know anything about physics, nothing, as I read these things, they talked a lot about time travel, alternate realities, time, re, time relativity. There was one chapter that's always stuck with me that the, the hero and the hero go off and they're on all these adventures. Meanwhile, um, one of the older guys that they're hanging out with was just sitting still like making a pot. And they're gone, and and they go through all this stuff, and uh, they nearly get killed, and, and it's just horrible, all the stuff that they do. And they come back, and he looks up, and he goes, oh, you guys have only been gone about an hour. <laughs> and they're like, what? That's sort of an example of time relativity, I guess. It's always uh, stuck with me. So quantum does give us an understanding of the glorious world around us in a way that creates awe for what God has done. It also ignites praise in our hearts for the creator of the universe. There's something that I was sharing with Steph that I was sort of in this other world, you know, because I've been reading about all this. I was in the quantum world, you know, in my dual reality I know, it sounds very new agey, Uh, I did think of that. I have to refer to my little bookie here, which I'm using the text a lot today. I was going to try and uh, use my own words in much of this, Mm, no, it's too technical. I think I would have lost some of the uh, things that we need to know. I should have marked this. Anyway, because of the new ageiness of this, um, this is an expert uh, by the author that's called the hijacking of quantum physics. And it is my personal conviction that the science of quantum physics has been hijacked by new age teachers in their eagerness to assert that nature itself confirms new age beliefs about the nature of oneness of all reality and the power of the mind to create and manipulate reality. My own study of quantum physics in the light of biblical revelation has given me an entirely different perspective. I believe with all my being that God is the supreme quantum physicist, that the world of quantum has been beautifully and intentionally crafted by a personal god to respond to his voice and that god alone has the power to alter reality at a quantum level for his glorious redemptive purposes isn't that awesome and i know that uh, there's there's so many new agey things that combine combine taoism and buddhism with quantum and you know it can really be quite a cornucopia of philosophies. So I thought it was good to uh, mention that right off the bat. Now, I did mention a little bit about um, Einstein, who, believe it or not, as a knuckle-headed musician, Einstein's just one of the guys fascinated me. And it's not that I know much about mathematics, or that I'm super scientific or anything there's just something about the guy that's always excited me and uh, he is sort of my hero and he's also sort of the father of quantum physics one, one of the there was a number of guys that all started it but he was he's probably the best known and he was kind of a funny guy I mean really he came up with all these really cool quotes um, and uh My writing is horrible. I should have done something about that. Those uh, Christians and scientists argue about whether um, he actually knew a Christian God. This is in reference to Einstein. He often talked about God in quotes like, I want to know God's thoughts. I mean, you get an impression here of a guy who studies and studies and studies so he can learn more about the creator. But uh, there is a lot of argument whether he, that's what he really meant or not. But, geez, you know, some atheists probably picked it up and said, <laughs> we'll, ru- we'll ruin this for the Christians. <laughs> Come on, it should be easy. Um, one of his other quotes is, uh, black holes are where God divided by zero. I think that is so cool. I mean, you can see God up there with a, yeah, yeah. Oh, black hole. <laughs> you know, <laughs> Where's, where's my chalkboard? i got to erase that one. <laughs> so, I, I really do enjoy Einstein, and I have some other things about him shortly here. Um, quantum studies, in this portion of what I'm trying to say, though, is leading science to God. And even though some of their language, when they say you know, the God project or the God molecule or the God particle and so on, a lot of them insist this is just a reference that has nothing to do with a creator. But there's a lot of them also that are going, no, that's not true. Because we've traced this back, there has to be a creator. So we can't, we can't just throw this stuff around like it doesn't exist. And the more and more they, they promote and study quantum world, the more and more a lot of them are going this just couldn't exist unless somebody created it. it couldn't so i thought that's terribly exciting and i was having a talk briefly with jackie at our meeting on tuesday about relativity and you know it's always fascinating to me like i was talking about that chapter in the book how sometimes time just flies or you're looking at the clock going, it's only been 10 minutes. It's only been 10 minutes. How long is he going to speak? <laughs> <laughs> can he just please, please, could you take a time out, Brent, so he can to order pizza? Um, anyway, <laughs> I know you don't really feel that way, but um, well, maybe you do. <laughs> but um, I, I found a different um, example for relativity because I used the person standing, watching the train go by, and then the people that are on the train. Um, that's always been used as an example of time relativity that it seems totally different, even though there shouldn't be that much of a difference, but the movement and, and the, and the solid portion. Now, as we'll see here shortly, this sort of theory is very important for, for Christians because we're used to different levels. We're used to the three levels of spirituality. We're used to mysticism, hopefully, which, did you hear that? um, Which hopefully we're all experiencing, and I know, I believe, we're experiencing it in Throne Room a lot, especially lately. It's just, it just keeps getting, hmm? Yeah. So it's um really getting exciting, but anyway, uh, I love this one about relativity because it really hits home, Jackie, and I know she was so sweet. she was at the table and I was talking to her about all this stuff, and she's like smiling, and she's going, "Wow, Brent, I can hardly wait to hear about this. <laughs> she's you're, you''re you're such a good person, you really are <laughs> you're so sweet anyway um." This one is really easy to get it. If you sit on a stove, a hot stove, um, a minute's gonna seem like two hours. I, I pretty much guarantee it. However, <laughs> if you you're sitting on a couch, and this is the part I love about this, if you're sitting on a couch with a very pretty woman, then two hours might seem like a minute. <laughs> I think that uh, that's my clever little anecdote for this one. <laughs> uh, yeah, thank you. I, I meant to say I meant to say be gender specific. I I'm, I'm sorry. I Jeez. Next we're going to be talking pronouns, right? <laughs> no. <laughs> Anyway, um, yeah, two hours. Yeah, good. Now we were talking about vibration, and I've I've definitely done vibration here after I got out of the hospital. We were talking about how we all have a unique vibration when we sing or when we speak words, and that the Holy Spirit recognizes us specifically. So when you go, ah, Holy Spirit's going. Oh, there's Brent trying to sing like a girl again. (laughs) What do you want, Brent? (laughs) cheese? it's okay. You got a pretty good range. I get it. So just use use it for worship, okay? (laughs) All right, so, like I said, our bodies are vibrating. And to really get you excited about that, we have 37.2 trillion cells in our bodies that are vibrating. To life, to keep us alive. Um, the string of a guitar vibrates to make a sound. If it just sat there, it doesn't doesn't do anything. And uh, I have talked about our own unique vibration, which I just did. And <laughs> spirit recognizes that our our singing voices, the voice of God vibrates the universe, and is in. Indeed, holds the universe together without the singing voice of God. Our universe would collapse really into nuclear meltdown. That's from a Christian physicist who published that. Isn't that cool? So I forgot this was up here. Stephanie's going, yeah. yeah." (laughs) Does somebody want to do this? Can you do this? Thanks because I I forgot it was there to begin with. (laughs) Now I I love this one because it does show a connection, the universal connection hopefully of God and the Holy Spirit just coming over us. Just like just like a throne room. That's kind of how I feel sometimes. I just have one more page to look up, really. What's that? Oh, cool. (laughs) (laughs) I I like that. (laughs) I'm sorry, I should have marked this out a little better. I was too concerned about the slides string theory and the voice of god this is the rest of my message this is going to be mostly from this text because as i said it's too technical there's too much to it to I, I might have missed too much if i put it in my own words not that the holy spirit wouldn't help me i'm just saying <laughs> he's already got this all written out so uh <coughs> no So, Jesus Christ sustains the universe by the word of his power. Hebrews 1, uh, verse 3. Remember that Jesus said, the words that I speak to you are spirit. That's John six sixty three. You know, he's using things like in the previous chapter. But uh, I chose this chapter, so I'm not going to go there. So our words create a natural sound, but we contrast this with the reality that the words of Christ are an expression of a supernatural sound of spirit. Thinking about what you said today. When Christ speaks, his words release the supernatural power of the Holy Spirit. I thought that went really well with our Holy Spirit class. So, see, I, I'm spending some time, and it seems like the Holy Spirit is just opening all these doors. He's revealing all this cool stuff. And uh, I love it. So, this is really cool with the quantum. The Word of God is living and active. That And the Word of God, it is, that sustains the universe, Instead, it is the energy of the Holy Spirit that sets in motion an invisible wave pattern that, in everywhere present throughout the entire universal quantum field. I mean, that gives you a new perspective on the Holy Spirit, even doesn't it? I mean, geez, this is this is this is big. <laughs> this this is, even though all these things are really tiny, there there's a lot of them out there. So. It is a spiritual sound that is continually generated by the spirit of God. Now we're getting down to the strings. Now, I've read a lot about the string theory and a Christian physicist described the string theory as these strings, which we're going to find out are a billion times smaller than a proton and they're only proven by mathematical theory. He said, I compare them to the tiniest violin strings in the universe. And there's billions of them. String theory postulates the existence of unimaginably minute strings or loops of energy that are allegedly the constituent ingredients of the quantum world. Not only scientists embrace string theory, but it is strongly advocated by some of the greatest minds in contemporary physics today. Of course the question as to whether the string theory can either be proved scientifically or disproved uh, does remain. It is certainly not something that will ever be observed even with the highest powered magnification. I mean, God's speaking to somebody. He's revealing stuff because you, to prove this, all we have now is an equation. And yet everyone's accepting that these things Exist and therefore scientific community is going Wow, There has to be a creator because these things just couldn't exist any other way So how small is a string? Well, I kind of said it already According to the theory they are loops of vibrating energy. See everything's vibrating and are a hundred actually I underestimated hundred billion billion times smaller than a proton So, we don't have equipment or any method of magnification that can even come close to viewing these things. So, the truth is we won't be seeing them, period. The standard model of particle physics asserts that the smallest elementary particles are zero-dimensional point-like particles. String theory argues that they are loops of energy like minute elastic bands or violin strings. One of the unique features of string theory is the proposal that these tiny loops are vibrating energy actually exist in other extra dimensions. Now we're going to get into here really quickly to the dimensional part because that's so important in Christianity because we're already sort of used to. Spiritual different spiritual planes. String theory is based on solid mathematical equations that require additional hidden dimensions curled up with our our further our familiar three-dimensional spatial world. There is elegance and beauty to string theory that makes it extremely attractive to theologians who are already accepting the concept of the extra dimensionality of a realm of the spirit. I mean that's I'm so excited. (laughs) <laughs> the extra dimensionality is the stuff of biblical theology a gentleman named brian green wrote a book titled the elegant universe in the elegant universe uh because he theorizes that there is an aesthetic and mathematical elegant eloqu- eloquence in the smallest level of physical creation what a god what a god in the subatomic world proposed by string theorists, each string vibrates at a different frequency. So I I think about this when we sing, when we all sing, that we can vibrate at different frequencies, different tones, you sing a little higher, you sing a little lower, whatever it comes to, and yet somehow, hopefully, (laughs) it comes together as a beautiful chord. So. Holy Spirit and God are managing this huge orchestra. That's going twenty four seven. It never stops, and and the vibe and the idea is that every string vibrates differently. Is a factor which determines whether a particle string will result in the formation. Uh, I'm not getting carried away with terms here, but a quark, a lepton, a meson, a hadron, or a baryon, or a neutrino. He's helping me out here. Don't get intimidated by these terms. They're building blocks of a more familiar subatomic particles like protons, neutrons, and electrons. And according to string theory, these particles are constituted by strings that vibrate at different frequencies. I mean, just, it almost boggles your mind to think that the, the theory is that these are God's building blocks and that they are vibrating, so the whole universe just doesn't collapse. That's pretty special. String theory, and this is good stuff, is immediately attractive to those whose minds are steeped in biblical revelation. As followers of Christ, we are inducted into a realm of revelatory knowledge that enables us to view the world around us through the very eyes of the creator. I think that is such an awesome statement. From the sheer visual majesty of the universe with its staggering aesthetic beauty to the compelling evidence of extraordinary mathematical fine tuning at every level of the physics of the cosmos to the appearance of purpose and design in molecular biology and the mathematical brilliance of the genetic code and its role in the construction of the brain. No matter where we look as believers in God, we are overwhelmed by a sense of awe and wonder generated by, I love this, this is how I think about God anyway, by the elegance and the beauty. Gotta take a deep breath now, it's okay. (laughs) All right, we are accustomed to thinking in terms of three or four familiar dimensions the three spatial dimensions which describe the whereabouts of a material object and the fourth dimension of time which describes when uh, an object or event. We think in terms left, right, back, forth, up, down, and when, but string theory postulates the existence of other hidden dimensions, of um, spiritual dimensions, by the way, that we all can go to, a theory that is sustained and supported by scientific discoveries in the mysterious world of quantum physics. Discoveries such as quantum non-locality, quantum entanglement, quantum quantum teleportation, sci-fi books when I was a kid, that's what that's about, and uh, quantum tunneling point towards the existence of these other dimensions. In prayer, in, in spiritual moments, um, not to sound new agey, but I think there are people who are tra- tra- traveling, is that the right word? Or experiencing, how's that, these other dimensions. And I think it's a state that God puts us in because he just trusts who we are. He wants to be closer. Extra dimensionality is a powerful concept through this Book we have proposed that the weird world of quantum physics represents the intersection between two worlds It is the intersection between the world of spirit and the world of matter It is like a buffer zone between spiritual realities and material realities And that is why quantum world exhibits the attributes of both spirit and matter That is good, isn't it? The realm of the spirit is by its very nature non-local. It transcends space and time. These four familiar dimensions that we are all accustomed to navigating in every life, in everyday life. So uh, here's, I I told you I'd bring Einstein back. (coughs) Einstein, in fact, described the counterintuitive behavior of the quantum world as a little spooky. String theorists are right at home with the idea of extra dimensionality. They describe a universe in which as many as six other dimensions exist curled up within the four dimensions that we observe at a macroscopic level. The existence of other dimensions is the fundamental presupposition upon which string theory is established. So it's not these little vibrating things alone. I mean, uh, it, you know, quantum physics does have the concept of dual reality. In other words, an object is actually existing in two things that we don't know. I, now, that gets a little new agey, too. But I'm just saying, as things God reveals to these people, we're going to become more and more, as it's, this guy says in this book, we're going to become more and more comfortable with the spiritual realities of other dimensions, which that can only help us grow, I think, as Christians. Those who have a firm belief in God do not struggle with the idea of the existence of other dimensions. The existence of God, and hence the existence of extra dimensionality, explains the relationship between the sustaining word of God and the vibrating strings of energy that some physicists believe constitute the material universe. That is why some theologians... Find string theory highly attractive. It substantiates something which is the very currency of biblical revelation. I think that's pretty powerful too. Because these guys, so much of our scientific, in fact, I told a story to Jackie when I was uh, young. And some of you might remember this. But there was this big battle about teaching evolution or creationism. And, uh, you know, I remember my parents sitting at the table talking about somebody that got fired, you know, because he tried to do both. And he got found out, and they canned him. Yeah. So this is going on. Now it's coming. There, Scientists are proving to themselves there's a God. Yeah. After all these decades, they've said, no, doesn't have anything to do with anything. Mm-hmm. I think that's so important. Now... I jumped all over. I just tried to pick the high points. I don't want anybody to get sleepy. Oh, I know. It's the sound of my voice, baby. (laughs) She's so sweet. Anyway, according to Scripture, it is the word of God as the active vocal expression of the spirit of God that sustains the material world. Once again, we're talking that God is singing the universe into existence. I mean, that's how he started it. And that's how it will continue, until we're all in another place or whatever. When he, we, he doesn't want the universe anymore, he doesn't need it. The scripture, the scriptures reveal that the word of God is living and active. Hebrews four twelve. it <laughs> 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 yeah, wasn't that subtle. Anyway, uh, one way we can understand this is to theorize at the subatomic level, the continual vibration of these unimaginably minute strings of energy is occurring as a result of the word of God being perpetually spoken over all of creation. That's some power. The power source that sustains the universe is the power of the Holy Spirit just like we said in class did I do good or what <laughs> no, i just i just love it when like you we were talking about when things you know when the solution presents itself and says here i am uh, and i'm just reading this stuff going wow that matches up over here and this matches up over here it's just good to hear right jamar i love you brother i'm so glad you're here Holy Spirit, and Paul writes about this. Um, His energy, which the Greek is energia, or something close, which so powerfully works, or energio. In this text, Paul used the Greek, which I just stated, from which we derive the word energy. This divine energy not only energizes the life of the believer, huh? Holy Spirit's, yeah baby, that's what I'm talking about. (laughs) It also energizes the entire physical universe. Could it be that acceptance of a string theory amongst a number of quantum physicists converges with biblical revelation to provide evidence that this entire physical universe is actually energized by invisible spiritual energy. So now, look how far this has gone. Where It was all all the physical world when I was growing up. Only the physical world, nothing spiritual about it. That has nothing to do with anything, and it's really, really coming around now. Uh, Biblical revelation is dismissed, as I just said, by a vast majority of scientists and something which is beyond the scope of empirical science. But the theory of independent power source behind the physical universe is at least an interesting thesis that warrants further exploration. The acceptance of biblical revelation opens the door for significant advances in scientific knowledge through which the proposal that the energy of the Holy Spirit is the hidden factor that it sustains our universe. Come on. That is so cool. I mean, we are told in Genesis, a creation narrative, which, you know, was outlawed when I was a kid, pretty much, but (laughs) that the Spirit of God was hovering over creation now, we were kind of talking about this during class. Um, I'll just let you find out. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. The Hebrew word for hovering is rakath. Is that right? Where's Ellen? Anyway, it's close. Maybe it's a little more. Go- but uh, it means to flutter or shake. And it's used uh, in two places in the Hebrew Old Testament. It appears in the book of Deuteronomy to describe the Lord overshadowing the nation of Israel. He shielded him and he cared for him, is the quote. He guarded him as the apple of his eye like an eagle that stirs up its nest and hovers over its young. That spreads its wing to catch them and carries them on its pinions. Deuteronomy 32, 10 through 11 in NIV. I didn't get a slide for that, one, huh? Sorry. I, I don't know how I missed it. <coughs> <laughs> <laughs> anyway, my heart within me is broken because the prophets, all my bones shake. That's the third place where the Hebrew word, uh rekaf. Is that right? Oh. Well, I depend on you, Al. Come on. <laughs> I tried to look it up. Anyway, that's the third place. That it. Remember, the spirit of God is presented in the Bible as a supreme source of supernatural energy. It is the energy of God that creates and sustains all things. The relationship between the role of the spirit and the quantum world would be likened to sympathetic strings as a musical instrument. This rena- uh, resonance effect illustrates the power of the Word of God. To sustain the vibration of the minute strings of energy, which conceivably constitute the elementary particles that constitute the world of matter. So the voice of God, in however we look at it, is literally holding everything together. As well as the voice of Jesus and the Holy Spirit is... Doing a great job. Now, I wanted to talk about the music of the spheres, but we'll wait for another time because of time. I don't know. I think I need to change the slide. Yeah. Anyway, this is uh I I thought out of all the topics in here, which I mean I I did get lost trying to trying to find what I was going. Nah, well, yeah, you know. That's kind of how I am anyway. You know, it's not that I'm indecisive. I just get excited about all of it, and then you have to pare it down. The song of the Lord is this section. God reveals himself as an intimate lover who sings over his beloved. The Lord your God is with you. He is mighty to save. He will take great delight in you. He will quiet you with his love. He will rejoice over you with singing. Zephaniah 3.17, if God sings over his people, it is also possible that he sings over his entire creation. God is the very, this is so cool stuff. God is the very creator of music. And of every expression of aesthetic beauty. So every time we look at a sunset or whatever, it reminds us of God. God. He is a musical god. He surrounds himself with choirs of angels. He creates people in his own image who are endowed with extraordinary musical capabilities. Like Jackie and Jamar and Lyra. What? (laughs) You guys were so good today. I meant to mention that again. I mean, I would say since I've been here in this church, I... I mean, we're always pretty good, but that was there was something really special today. I couldn't really put my hand on it. Anyway, uh, the Song of the Lamb, Re- Revelation 15.3. Yeah. <clears throat> it's a redemptive song that is sung over God's creation. Now, this is kind of an interesting drawing in here. C.S. Lewis wrote The Magician's Nephew as a part of his famous Chronicles of Narmia. In Chapters 8 and 9, there's a remarkable allegorical description of the creation event in which Lewis depicts Aslan singing Narnia into existence. The two key characters, Polly and Diggory, are mysteriously transported into another time and place where they witness the creation of the universe. Suddenly, Polly and Diggory are, are catapulted into a formless void of absolute darkness And then they have the privilege of witnessing something absolutely breathtaking. The universe coming in, being sung into existence. I love the fact that he used us Lewis in this. I'm not going to cry like I did when I was over there. (laughs) She was so maternal when my tear came down. Anyway, Lewis is clearly recalling the fact that, according to the Bible, the initial creation event was accompanied by angelic singing, and rejoicing at marvelously skilled handiwork of the Creator. The Lord said to Job, where are you w- when I laid the earth's foundation? Where were you when I laid the earth's foundation? Tell me if you understand. Who marked off its dimensions? Surely you know. Who stretched a measuring line across it? On what were the footings set? Or who laid his cornerstone? While the morning stars sang together All the angels shouted for joy. Job 38, 4 through 7. I mean, shoot, that almost does make me cry. (laughs) Did the angels initiate the songs, or did they merely begin to sing in harmony with a master quantum physicist? He's saying the creation into existence. The allegory continues. Now, just because of time, I'm not going to read the whole thing. But we've all seen it and read it, and C.S. Lewis, I think, most of us have. I watched it with Jack, and I had a tear. So (laughs) I'm sorry. I just think it's so funny. I don't even know what I was thinking. (laughs) In the beginning, we're jumping around from the beginning to you know middle and back again. In the beginning, God said, "Let there be light." But perhaps C.S. Lewis' fictional account is much closer to the truth than we might first think when he suggests that God sung these creative commands over the void rather than just speaking words. Perhaps God continues to sing all over creation until the day that the heavens and earth pass away with a great noise. Remember that, I love this part sound here on earth is mere analog or shadow of something that occurs in the invisible realm of spirit. The words that Jesus speaks are spirit. They may be clothed in an audible expression here on earth in order to communicate something that our eardrums, to our eardrums that have been designed to pick up mechanical vibrations of sound. But there is a higher reality that earthly sound points to There is a sound beyond the sound, like your word today. The higher reality is the communication of divine energy. It is a wave of the Holy Spirit that creates new realities at a quantum level and that continues to sustain the entire creation. I mean, come on. Doesn't that make you just singers and... And it, it sort of gives us a new importance almost, or a new feeling that we're not just participating in sort of a, like a sexual, secular way, like as musicians, but we're actually participating with the energy of the Holy Spirit all around, which we have noticed many times lately at, at Throne Room. Um, Just a little. I I remembered. I talked to Stephanie about this earlier today. But uh, just to um, emphasize what's happening at Throne Room, uh, the last Throne Room was just two weeks ago or whatever. It kind of got off to a a slow, slower start than I think normally, but we weren't concerned. I mean, about it at all. We were just waiting for the Holy Spirit, and suddenly all these wonderful things started happening: uh, the breath of God and the whirlwind and all the things that just seemed to come pretty naturally, they just were there, sort of, and um, uh, Stephanie described it as we were commuting gently with the Holy Spirit, and that's how it felt, very, very gentle, but um, I was, I can't remember what Stephanie was singing or what she was saying or whatever, but I know I heard another voice with hers, and it sounded like Stephanie's voice, but the resonance was quite a bit different. And I know I looked at Matt and I looked around going is something wrong with the PA Uh, There wasn't anything wrong, so I think uh, angels are starting to join us. I Mean that is cool. I cannot lie. I I'd never heard anything like it before and I hope to hear it again So I hope that I have stimulated some interest in quantum physics with y'all. I do have uh, some clothing things somewhere here. I don't know where I put them. Ah. I ripped the page right out, so. I don't know. I think I had another slide, Jackie. I don't remember. There's no science. Holy, that's it. That's it, sister Lyra. <laughs> Actually, I, I know you're more like my daughter, but you know, sometimes. So, I have for activation a quote once again, by my buddy Einstein. I, I mean, this guy just was so sensitive. And he, he constantly made fun of himself because he said, said things like, gee, if I actually groomed, people might think I was a different person than I really am. But he said, I just don't pay any attention to how I look. I just don't care. So I thought that was uh, interesting. But uh, one of his big ones is, I want to know God's thoughts. Did I say that already? But well, you just can't say it enough, can you? <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. So I don't know if we got some. Mu- we got any music now? Now that we're stimulated, hopefully our imaginations are running wild. And by the way, um, I already said that to you, right? About imagination. We did that in class. See how it overlaps. Um, What's that well, hopefully, it does right. Otherwise, you're out in left field somewhere. <laughs> Somebody throw me the ball, <laughs> please. I won't drop it this time. <laughs> so, here's the quote, and we're going to think about how we're going to stay young by studying the Holy Spirit and the Lord and worshiping and all the wonderful things. So, people like you and me, although we're immortal, of course, like everyone else, do not grow old, no matter how long we live. What I mean is that we never cease to stand like curious children before the great mystery into which we were born and God's great creative universe. So activation is to discuss with someone something you want to, some place you want to reach the Holy Spirit, some place you want to reach God that you keep putting off, or maybe because this stuff's going to keep us young. I'm telling you. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm old, but not old, but older. I realize that, but <laughs> <there's>, <laughs> there is a, a, a lot to come. So I hope that's a good discussion. Thank you for listening today. Take a moment and ask Holy Spirit what He wants you to do with what you've learned. And remember, with God all things are possible. So keep dreaming, keep praying, and simply obey. Because God is good, and He has good plans for you. You can subscribe to our blogs learn about our speakers, and even hear from one of our team members how you can take part in transforming a city, your city with Christ. There's no time like the present. Visit ShekinahOnline.com. If this doesn't excite you, watch for our new and God-inspired product line, a newly released book by Stephanie Butler, more testimonies from our listeners like you, working to bring unity in cities across the world. If you feel led to support our podcast you may do so on our shekinah.com website or if you would like to support us monthly there is a link labeled listener support on every podcast until next time we thank you we love you have a blessed day